0: Welcome back to the World of Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Hollerbach. I'm currently in Las Vegas for Shop Talk Conference and took the chance to speak to a couple of interesting people here. One of those is Jordan Jewell. Jordan used to be an analyst at IDC and is now an analyst in residence at Vtex. He just recently published a paper on the three investments that drive e-commerce growth. So we spoke about that and also touched on things like NFT, the Metaverse, and Digital Twins. So please enjoy my conversation with Jordan. Let's go.
1: From, let's say, late spring, early summer last year, 2022, onwards, we're, we've been in the era of profitability. So uh, you now have to, you can't go, you can't focus entirely on growth. You have to say, like, what does this actually mean for my bottom line? Uh, the NFT authenticates against my phone, the watch doesn't work anymore. Whoever stole it won't be able to use that watch. The NFT is essentially making it work because it knows that me, Jordan Jewell, is the one wearing it. Um, so, and, and theoretically, that could work with all sorts of different electronics. You could say with an Xbox, that, that's what makes it work. Um, kind of any any device, really. But like just, just thinking about NFTs a little bit different, um, a little bit outside the box that we've found ourselves in.
0: Um, Jordan, thanks for being here. Um, we are in, uh, as they say, fabulous Las Vegas um, around Shop Talk Conference, and yeah. uh, we've had the yeah the chance to speak a couple of times in the past um, while we were still at, at IDC, and I think we nerded around some like trends in, in commerce and and these kind of things. And I'm super happy to have you here on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having Marcel. Yeah, Me Marcel. So. Um, before we
0: get started, um, I mean, this is a shopping conference, right? and uh, I'm super curious. Um, is there an item you recently purchased that you really love, and why is that?
1: Yeah, so um, you're risking turning this into a discussion about running shoes, which <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a pair right now um, I, I'm a runner, I do like 50 miles a week or so, and so I've like way too many shoes, uh, like 20 pairs. <laughs> My wife is not happy with that, but um so, so running shoes, like the pair I'm wearing, any like that, uh, any pair like that, and um, I, I was actually thinking about this late recently, um, just you know how shoppers get information about like why they buy a specific item or a specific pair of shoes in this in this case, and um, like I there's a there's a website called Run Repeat, for instance, that like they they chop a shoe in half and they show you the foam density nice. and. They put a smoke in it to show how breathable it is and stuff like that, and um, it just made me think about like all the different channels that shoppers are going on to do research before making a purchase to learn about a product to find the best deal. Um, so for me, it's running shoes. I know I went on a bit there.
0: It, that is a retailer, right? You were talking about.
1: Uh, they're, they're just an informational site, but you know okay. they have affiliate links to like Amazon or whatever. Um, they're retailers themselves put product information but about shoes but let's say i want to compare a pair of nikes to like a pair of asics it's so basically
0: they put in the extra work to create this very useful product information on top of what they're already getting from the brand
1: yeah Um, and i mean i'm sure this is the case in with bikes or uh gear or you know jewelry any given industry but for me it's running shoes they
0: should sell it back to the brand
1: yeah no i think i mean the the guy who does it, um, he's, like, getting all this equipment to, like, chop the shoes up and a durometer to check the firmness. <laughs> it's and awesome. It's kind of, like, a, it's ridiculous the levels that, I mean, I, I consume it now. I consume that information, but the levels that consumers go to learn about products.
0: But something I observed myself is that um, a lot of the retailers, they basically augment the information they get from the brands by quite a bit. By having like their own yep. photographers yep. and their warehouses, their own editorial teams. And uh, that I think that really gives them an edge oftentimes.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> again, getting nerdy about shoes. But like, um, uh, this is a specific example. Like ASICs, when they give you the the stack height, the, the height of the foam mm. on the shoe, they take out the insole. Okay. Which kind of makes sense. But like, that's not how people don't run in the shoe without the insole unless you... Put in your own insoles, so, like you know, the the retailer does exactly what you said, and they they take their own images, they they usually remeasure it and all this stuff, and in a lot of cases, it it does provide a lot of value beyond what the brands do.
0: Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So probably, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, and uh, maybe also the company you work with right now.
1: Yep. So I'm uh, Jordan Jewel. I'm the analyst in residence at Vtex. Um, I was the I was an analyst at IDC, International Data Corporation, uh, an industry analyst who looked at digital commerce and started our commerce practice there, actually. I was there for seven years. And IDC didn't actually have a digital commerce practice prior to me starting it and doing market evaluations and market share reports and such. Um, But about a year and two months ago, I came over to the dark side. I came (laughs) over to a a vendor, a software company, Vtex. Um, because I thought that, um, a lot of, I think a lot of software companies and a lot of companies in general for that matter could really use that analyst approach. Like they could benefit from yeah. a more objective, like analytical view of, uh, creating content and talking about their product and such. But, uh, VTEX were a commerce platform originally based in Brazil, really, really huge in Brazil and growing, uh, internationally. So I'm part of the U.S. team trying to um, bring some of that success to the U.S. And we went public uh, in 2021. So uh, grown a lot in the past few years. Nice.
0: So when I first saw it that uh, VTEX has hired you as an analyst in residence, <laughs> I thought that was very smart, actually, because I remember in my own entrepreneurial career how often I basically came up with stuff that nobody understood or the market had no idea what that is. And I think sometimes it's something you can do, but it needs to find a balance, right? And I think you're like, uh, with your, um, let's say, analytical mindset and what you've seen before, you're probably a little bit like corrective to uh, what some of the marketing folks (laughs) are putting out there.
1: I I hope so. (laughs) Um, I hope that I don't fall into the trap over time of drinking (laughs) too much Kool-Aid. But uh, yeah, I think too often marketing just talks about our product is awesome. It's great. You should buy it. Blah blah blah, um, and less about like the problem a customer is trying to solve. Um, just educating, like talking about what's happening in the market and why and why it matters. Um, which again, that's like what I'm trying to bring to Vtex and do with the content I'm creating.
0: Yeah, hope to not put you too much on the spot here, but <laughs> so what, what's basically what's the problem that Vtex is solving?
1: Yeah. So I mean. Um, it's a commerce platform like the obvious problem is helping brands and retailers sell online profitably um one of the there, there are a few main differentiators for vtex the the most obvious one i would say is a really strong oms order management system nice. and uh marketplace capabilities mm-hmm. one of vtex's first big customers was walmart in brazil and it was like when the fa- there weren't that many employees at uh, the company which is uh I think 22 years, 23 years at this point, years old. Wow. But um, Walmart has a lot of like specific needs, you know? So they built in like very specific um, order management and inventory capabilities that really helped the, the product evolve and it's strong in that matter. So you can build like a really sophisticated marketplace where you're, you might be a distributor or you might be um, selling to different retailers as a B2B company or um onboarding a bunch of different um sellers as a marketplace um so that's like a a really uh good strength i think in the market but also that it's multi-tenant SaaS, microservices based like we're part of the mock alliance and um as a result it's SaaS. like you're not dealing with as much maintenance or um hosting and that's that sort of stuff of course but also there's a platform as a service layer so companies can kind of build their own business logic and apps on top of what we offer
0: that's awesome and i remember myself looking into uh, commerce systems a while ago um just to map out like a potential partner ecosystem for products up back in the days and i realized that there are not so many um, real multi-tenant SaaS products out there right so there's a lot of we take our old on-premise stuff and we upload it for you on the cloud happening, yep. but true multi-tenant born in the cloud SaaS is is really rare. There's probably, I don't know, big commerce is out there and Shopify or so. Those would yep. be the two that pop to my mind and Vtex, obviously.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's, you run into, like, frankly, you do run into uh, challenges with it because you you can't customize it as much. So like a company who wants a super custom solution, you're going to, probably more gravitate more towards a on-prem or single question tenant. is
0: whether they should have it in the first place <laughs> yeah well that, <laughs>
1: that's the conversation we try to have but it's it's not always an easy one when you have like uh, a set of business processes that have been ingrained over 10 years and you you don't want to stray from that um but so so like you do run into some of those challenges but again i think um, I, I mean, I think this is the, the direction the market's moving in, and um, I know there's been the move for composability, and we try to talk about being composable but complete in that you can start with what we offer, but then if you want to switch out with, like, a different search provider or a different mm. PIM or a different um, uh, content management system, whatever it may be, you, you can do so, uh, and uh, I think that that's the direction the market's moving in general.
0: Yeah. You just recently uh, published a report um and you call it the three investments to drive e-commerce growth. I'm I'm super curious in that mm, because obviously I mean we're in a a little bit challenging time right now. Um everyone out there be it a software vendor or retailer or brand is looking for ways to drive more efficiency for more profitability and so on. So I think everybody is is really looking into um into how to drive basically uh, these efficiency gains. Um, yeah, What what's it about?
1: <laughs> so, I mean, and, and frankly it has an executive summary and I think it does a good job summing it up. <laughs> you don't have time to read the whole paper, but it's, um, like I, I approached this as I did as an analyst, like I wasn't trying to sell product. Yeah. I was just trying to say like, if I was a retailer or brand and only could make three bets, three investments, what would they be? Um, so I interviewed some of our customers some of our partners, um, some analysts, my, my successor at (laughs) at AC, I interviewed her. Um, and the, so what the, one of the main things I found was one, um, like why this matters. When I started this paper, I started like, like, I don't know, nine months ago, uh, the, the economic situation was, was a little different. So I wasn't thinking about profitability as much, but what became apparent when I was combing through census bureau data and just economic data in general is. So I have categorized into three eras we've been in essentially everything up to 2020 to COVID was era of the old normal. Like essentially it was pretty predictable growth and profitability were balanced. Investments were balanced. And then once kind of the initial, um, craziness of covid die down a little bit. So let's say the second half of 2020 through the beginning of 2022, this was the era of growth at all costs. So this is where you saw yeah. hugely rapid growth. E-commerce was the savior in e-commerce. Like um one of our, our one of our biggest customers Carrefour, um they're the seventh biggest retailer in the world, first biggest in Brazil. They 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 were they for a while were just trying to manage that demand. They were seeing more orders online than in all their brick and mortar stores at some point. Like, it was crazy. So they were just trying to manage that demand and so focused on growth that they weren't looking at their margins and profitability. But then, as Mm -hmm. we kind of all realize now, from, let's say, late spring, early summer last year, 2022 onwards, we've been in the era of profitability. So uh, you now have to you can't go you can't focus entirely on growth you have to say like what does this actually mean for my bottom line and balancing investments um so you're not just making moonshot investments all the time you have to balance those investments and what what i found is the three bets i talk about are they're pretty practical they're i will even say they're kind of obvious but i think they're um underprioritized so so Those three investments are, one, um, make inventory and fulfillment your strength. Uh, I just think companies look at fulfillment as a uh, cost of doing business and not like an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, Focusing on um, existing customers over new customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. So essentially, new customer acquisition has gotten really expensive, whether it's through Facebook ads, just ads in general. Um, And what we found is that existing customers are the ones that bring profit. So let's say the average brand or retailer spends 80% of their marketing budgets on new customer acquisition. Let's just move the needle a little bit back in the other direction so we can market better to our existing customers and um, increase the number of orders they have and third engage with customers in new ways. So essentially just trying to step outside of that typical commerce box. There's a little bit of uh homogeneity in commerce and how PDPs, web pages look. Mm-hmm. Like let's just uh engage with our customers a little bit different. So live shopping, video in commerce in general, more um immersive PDPs, um chat commerce, like just some of these newer one of our customers even got a Matterport, a camera and put it throughout their um, the retail space and you can actually tour their, their um, store Wow! and you can actually <laughs> click on a top or like a dress or whatever and check out directly in that interface using APIs. So nice. just those customers that want to learn more, like you could use the same example for shoes. If a customer wants to know more about your shoes, just put a video where your associate is talking about those shoes, explaining like when they're, they should be used for race day or whatever um, so just engage with customers in new ways so those are those are the three again I think they're pretty straightforward but not prioritized enough
0: and I think they also relate to each other going back to your first point the uh, the logistics right and the inventory management and, and warehouse and probably even delivery and so on um, what I, what I've seen oftentimes at retailers is um, the ones who figure it out they make that part of even their Let's say to increase retention and yep. um, and and drive conversion, right? Because the quicker you can deliver, the more reliable, for example, um, the better it will be for your customers, right? So, and that again plays into um, re-engaging existing customers and, and making them more loyal and so on. Yep. Have you have you explored um, during re- your report also um, let's say the whole topic around AI a little bit and generative AI and how that could help? Probably, it does it help even.
1: Um, I, so, I mean, one of the main, um, I mean, one of my main thoughts or one of the main concepts of the paper is again, we're focused on profitability and like, I'll give you an example. Uh, so the fulfillment one, we just, you just gave an example as well. Um, I create a maturity model that that's, what's in the paper. It's a maturity model, like to a company can gauge their maturity along a five different stages. And what we found. It's not scientific. As a former analyst, I'll say we didn't run a huge survey. We, it's not scientific yet. But we found is 55% or so of retailers are in those first two stages. So they haven't even gotten to the third stage, fourth stage. I think most companies should be at least in that third stage. Mm-hmm. Not every company needs to be like Amazon, yeah. but most companies will see um, significant reduction in costs if they're in the third stage. My my initial... So, kind of answering your question, my initial advice would be solve that or solve your PDPs. Like make sure your top 10 P- selling PDPs are good, like excellent before you focus on AI. Um, with that said, you can use AI to to bolster some of those things, like especially actually on the PDP example. Um, I don't have a great specific customer example doing it, but I've heard of companies, you know, filling in their product descriptions for for Amazon, for Walmart, for Target, for yep. different channels using AI. And you can find that um tweaking it slightly will will boost sales on those different channels. You don't need the right. exact same descriptions or words or whatever phrases. Um so like that's an example of something you can do. Um <laughs> something I think we'll start to see more of is actually you know it's it's expensive to take pictures of all your products. You can actually use generative AI to create those images. Absolutely. You may not want a hand in them yet because then they'll look really creepy. (laughs) But, um, I mean, that's like, that's going to be a huge example of how it can bolster like a PDP. I think that's, that's one example. There's obviously, um, like some examples, other examples, maybe not generative AI, AI, but for other forms of AI around like, um, inventory and logistics and fulfillment. But um, those are the examples I hear the most about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My impression is that a lot of retailers are playing around with it at the yep. moment. Not a lot have yet figured it out a hundred percent what to do with it, especially when dealing with product data. I think there are some cases where it really works nicely whenever you don't need a hundred percent exact result, basically like an attribute yep. mapping probably is not a good thing to do because yep. even if you just get 95% correct, but yep. right, it still means 5% of your 1 million skews yep. is, sc- is screwed, basically. So that doesn't work, but um, I'm totally with you. Like image generation, taking in a, a product image, changing backgrounds, moving it around. Um, and I think probably even um, creating 3D models at one yep. point will be something where I can help a lot because today it's really, really expensive to do it. Yep. And as we are slowly but steadily moving towards something like the metaverse, which eventually one, one uh, time comes. Uh, I think uh, 3D uh, models are also very important to have. And I've seen another use case, um, I just wanted to add, is um, is around um, audiences. Um, you mentioned uh, concept- contextualization for different retailers. But if you go into, um, into social, for example, and you look at uh, what Meta is doing and Facebook Marketplace and Instagram and so on, you can even contextualize the product content to fit certain audiences, right? Yeah. So, we've run a couple of prompts with GPT-3, um, where we said, okay, take this description and uh, rewrite it for a five-year-old or for a silver <laughs> surfer, or my, my favorite was like uh, Snoop Dogg it, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> for Shizzle, my talking about sneakers again, right? So, that did a good job and uh, i think that that can add a lot of scale basically um especially when you're thinking about different audiences on different channels and so on
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah so um when you came in we we briefly talked about uh, metaverse and nfts and um, I'm I'm curious where your mind is on on NFTs. Can it be like a loyalty tool for retailers? Should retailers at all do it at the moment, or are there different priorities they should focus on first?
1: Yeah. So um, it's the latter, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so I mean, my my main thought, and what we talked about before we started recording, was just that there are, there are a lot of low hanging fruit that I think. Aren't addressed or should be addressed before a lot of these things are experiment. I mean, you can experiment, but just again, we're in the era of profitability. Are those going to be profitable projects? Is kind of the question. And I think for for most brands and retailers um, right now, they're they're not going to be. Um, so again, focus on your existing customers, your inventory and fulfillment, um, your your content and your engagement models. Essentially, okay. Let's say you've done that okay so so there are maybe some some examples that um make more sense Wh- one of my main thoughts is um uh, with with nfts um i think I, I actually i actually got this idea from talking to i was at idc my, my former company analyst firm um are they're, they're nft analyst um can't remember his name unfortunately but he, uh, I was at their, their conference last mm-hmm. year and I was speaking with him to get his thoughts. And one of the things we, we talked about was that, um, NFTs are much more than I think how people are talking about them right now. People are talking about them as like, you know, the, the way, the way everyone makes fun of them is like selling art, like, yeah, like, it's a a JPEG, Jeff, basically. like, yeah, a JPEG yeah. online. Um, and, uh, there, there's a lot of use cases that if you, if you just change the way you're thinking, like it's more than just loyalty, like giving your customers a, a JPEG. So they, they feel like they're part of an exclusive club, which there's some value in that, mm. but I, I actually think that they can completely many years down the road, potentially change how customers engage with certain products. So a couple examples, one, uh, I I'm not a, expert in handbags but chanel has from why what from what i know it's a luxury good you get a card that authenticates it it says this is a Mm -hmm. authentic handbag you're the rightful owner etc and why not make that an nft you can have an nft that shows that it's it's non-fungible like this is a authentic product you're the rightful owner um and that can, and they're they're actually, from what I've heard, experimenting with like different, maybe not an NFT yet, but they're experimenting with different technologies to do yep. that. Essentially take that physical card and put it in the digital world. NFTs can, that's actually a really good use case. It's not the way we think about them, but it's that, that's a perfect use case in my mind. Um, a second example is um, like an electronic. Um, I'm going to actually use my watch as an mm-hmm. example, but let's say a luxury watch again. Uh, you could actually have an NFT. Again, it it authenticates it. It shows that it's like a, that's the real deal. That's the real product. And that it's, um, uh, you can't mix them up essentially. I'm, I'm butchering the terms, but um, essentially, let's say someone stole my watch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the NFT authenticates against my phone. Mm-hmm. The watch doesn't work anymore. Yep. Whoever stole it won't be able to use that watch. The NFT is essentially making it work because it knows that me jordan jewel is the one wearing it um so and and theoretically that could work with all sorts of different electronics you could say with an xbox that that's what makes it work um kind of any any device really but like just just thinking about nfts a little bit different um a little bit outside the box that we've found ourselves in with um like art and i think some of those and apes and monkeys yeah and yeah yeah which again there's some value in that but i think um like for for the average retailer i think there's more more uh, creative ways to get value from nfts
0: yeah for for retailers and i think also for brands in the end um, and what last year i would have thought that um meta and instagram would play a bigger role in the adoption of that but just like i think three four weeks ago they announced announced that they're gonna uh, sunset their nft um support on instagram um Probably because of their profitability yeah. efforts, maybe it's, it's coming back. But my assumption would have been like a year ago that um, the NFT is a is a really cool tool to basically show authenticity um, and true ownership of a physical product in a digital world. Yeah, and that is new, right? Because you there's tons of um, Tons of Instagram profiles where they have something like watch busters and something like this, right? Where there's people f- trying to figure out which influencers are wearing fake watches and, and yeah. fake products and so on. And apparently, that's really a thing. And um, I think if you combine like a digital twin of a physical luxury item with yep. um, with the capability to connect it to your socials, and you can say, oh, "Look, this is legit. This is real." Um, it adds uh, real utility. And then on top. We see that with um, I think Artifact did it with Nike together, right? They released that hoodie when uh, when you you hold your camera towards it, it reads the QR code yep. on the hoodie, and then you get wings and stuff like this. <laughs> and I, I I could imagine that probably maybe maybe TikTok is gonna do it, right? Uh, now that yeah. Instagram is 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 off it, but. Maybe maybe with TikTok you, you you record a video and TikTok realizes right there is you you are yep. wearing a product that has an NFT connected and then within the Instagram uh, TikTok recording it it adds some utility and some fancy flashy stuff that just you get because you own that product and I think that combination of social media um, NFT and, and items um, is is a very interesting combination.
1: Yeah. No that's, that's maybe you should make a business out of that. <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I mean I I think a lot of the social channels, the social networks have dropped the ball on commerce. So Facebook, Google, like Google could have been Google's a search bar for everything. Yes. Other than commerce, where Amazon's a search bar, at least here in the US. Um and they just they've they've made it better, but they've dropped the ball. Facebook just couldn't make it work. They were too focused on ads this whole time. Every time they, they kind of did stuff with commerce on Instagram that they, they were just half-assing it. Like they just weren't focused on it correctly. Um, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't use TikTok. I just, I've had enough social media, frankly, but, um, from what I understand, they, they've made the best attempt thus far in terms of commerce. So I, I would not be I know there's a lot of like now, uh, privacy concerns and government (laughs) oversight about TikTok, But in terms of like what they're actually bringing to, um, users, to consumers, I think they're, they, they have the chance to make the best attempt because you you need the people using it, you need engagement, which they have, and then you need, you kind of have to understand how people buy or want to buy. Like people are just, people didn't want to buy on Instagram way they they set it up yeah so like to make it work um on TikTok is I, I think it could work like the way they've set up carts and having a cart where you can add products from a d- bunch of different um, influencers yep. is instagram didn't do that and um the nft examples is uh, a great one
0: yeah i think TikTok has the chance to iterate basically on the mistakes of the yep. others before i think with google it was shopping actions that was their marketplace initiative that never really flew. And then uh, we, we saw it with, uh, with a checkout on Instagram. And um, I'm, I'm saying it, iterating because fun fact is a lot of the um, TikTok partner managers we we today speak to are actually former meta employees, right? So they, yeah. they, they, they kind of hired uh, the brains there and, and yep. probably they know what they fucked up before and uh, <laughs> are doing yeah. it better now.
1: And when I was at IDC, um, Facebook was my client for a little while um, and I just kept telling them like what I was like you really should get into commerce like these are a few things you need to really get into and um, unfortunately they were just so it it happens a lot with big companies but they're so focused on the business that drives 90 something percent of the revenue which was ads that they couldn't look beyond that into some of the other opportunities Um, so so definitely agree.
0: There's another um, I think structural problem and I'm, I'm curious to see whether um, TikTok can overcome it is that a lot of the, um, the brands and retailers that I spoke to uh, especially the larger ones actually didn't want to sell through Instagram for example or shopping actions because essentially you're trading conversion rate for data right so you you get a little bit more conversion probably because obviously meta is throwing all their brains they have on maximizing that click and that checkout but in return you you don't get the chance to let's say profile the customer uh, the consumer on your own properties and so on i think that is an ongoing conflict that is still going on and that also TikTok will have to battle um but my my feeling is that also that is one of the reasons why that hasn't really taken off yet
1: yeah yeah. And, um, I'm drawing kind of a parallel here, but like, when you think about a brand or retailer, um, making the decision or not to sell on Amazon, for instance, it's, it's similar. You're, you're making a, um, like volume versus customer data decision about whether, cause with Amazon, they're not going to give you the level of data that you, you want. You don't own the customer, but there's so much traffic on Amazon. Um, and, what we've seen with Amazon is um, their advertising business is now their their most profitable business, and they, yeah. it's kind of crazy. But that's cut into the margin because you kind of are required to buy ads oftentimes right. to to effectively sell in your category on Amazon. Um, could easily see TikTok going down the same route. It's it's yeah. a very profitable business, high margins. Um, so th- that's also part of the discussion. You're you're seeing kind of It's just customer acquisition has gone up over time what I kind yeah. of started with
0: yeah yeah it's like what you said in your report right focus on the existing customers you have maximize yeah. that yeah it's so funny how everything is is becoming everything today right amazon is uh, a, a cloud provider is a marketplace is an advertising company is probably becoming a search company is a uh, head attempt with hardware and you see the same thing happening at the at the other vendors and 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 uh, companies as well so everything is I don't know, kind of merging. Um. Yeah,
1: yeah, and if you, I mean, they it, they've clearly, I think, if you like look at their organizational changes, um, they they were spreading out a little too far. Um, like in grocery, they pulled back greatly, mm. um, and in some of their other brick and mortar areas, they've kind of gravitated back towards online, which which makes sense. That's what they're, they're, str- they're strong the strong the strong suit. But um, yeah, I mean, they they've gone in all sorts of different different areas true
0: so we're coming to the end of the 30 minutes <laughs> jordan as always uh, very very cool talking to you very nice insights and uh, yeah enjoy the rest of, of shop talk of the day um, good success with vtex and uh, hope to have you on the podcast soon again
1: of course yeah thanks for having me it's thank been, you it's been fun thanks